The following Dharma talk was given for the Insight Meditation Community of Charlottesville, Virginia. Please visit our website at imeditation.org. So the, the title of this talk is uh, Nourishing Nectars, Quiet and Connection. take a moment to just think about that title and what might come up for you. Nourishing Nectars, Quiet and Connection. So if we take take these words apart, and that's what I'm going to do, is just sort of walk you through it, and so some some thoughts that, that come to mind for me. And... I'm also going to, I can't fully get through a a complete public talk without sharing a little bit of science. So I'll be a little nerd and do a little bit of that. Um, But also, most importantly, really connecting it with the Dharma and why we're all here, why, why we are really here. So we... Just consider the word nourishing. What does nourishing mean to you? We know that it comes from the Latin word nutrier, which means to both feed and cherish. And then nectar, nectars. So nectar, you know, it's used oftentimes in two ways. One is that it's the drink of the gods in mythology. So that's another form of nourishment that nectar is providing. But also nectar, as we know, is the, the fluid, the secretions that come from plants and flowers, and that the bees very graciously kindly extract and then pass on and pollinate. Collecting the nectar and just pollination. So nectar in and of itself is nourishing for us. And in that, we are also offering and, and in a way being able to share and to pollinate what nourishes us with others as well. So I am very connected to the seasons and very connected with nature. And we live in such a beautiful part of the world where we have the great blessing of experiencing four seasons Four beautiful seasons and a magnificent, you know, part of the planet. And so spring is very much alive in me right now. And, you know, hence me having this title and thinking about nectars because the bees are all around right now. It's like, you know, it's just like magic. And so the flowers and the bees, the colors and the fragrances... Um, You know, with the colors, I'm amazed at how many shades of green there are. 
Every morning I look outside and there's just another shade of, shade of green. And the scent, the fragrance that's in the air from the flowers and the, the woods, the trees. And the birds are really happy right now. The rain, the chirping, and we've had um, right outside our deck um, in a big magnolia tree, there's a nest with four little birds. And it's just like so magical to go out there and to watch them and to what this mother is like being really, really um, quite um, nurturing to her young ones. And she just keeps going out and coming back with a mouthful of worms. And she regurgitates them, puts them in the mouth. And, you know, it's just like so, just so fun and so amazing. So there are many nourishing nectars right before us. And then there are the two metaphorical ones that I mentioned which relate to quiet and connection. So Rumi said, silence is an ocean and speech is a river. When the ocean is searching for you, don't walk to the language river. Listen to the ocean and bring your talky business to an end. You know, we, we live in a world though where it's, it's really hard to be quiet, to be in a space of quiet. And we know that quiet and silence isn't just about the absence of talking or audible sound. And it it involves fully unplugging from technology, which we are tethered to pretty much all the time. But quiet and silence is available to us really at any moment. And it's wonderful that you are all here. There's something that has drawn you to this community and to a contemplative practice. And so being quiet is what we do on the meditation cushion or the meditation chair or walking meditation. What we do in silent retreats. It's also hiking the Blue Ridge alone or taking your dog for a walk in the morning without your smartphone. And just, in your own mind, just reflect for a moment. What is your relationship with quiet? Try not to judge your relationship and judge yourself, but just, what is your relationship to quiet? Is it a nectar for you at this point in time in your life? Or is it actually more painful? Uncomfortable? Does it bring up boredom, loneliness, 
Or is there a fullness that feels quite comforting? Just notice. Well, the, there actually is quite a um, body of research, a lot of research that has been done that has looked at, we know, med, you know, there's thousands of articles looking at meditation now. Um, but there's also other research that um, isn't specific about meditation that has looked at the benefits of, of quiet and why it's good for us. But my sense is that intuitively you know it's probably good for you and that's why you're here. But there is a lot of research being done and I'll, I'll just share, share some, some thoughts on this. And some of this um, actually comes from a Huffington Post article that my daughter Adrienne actually pointed out to me. That was um, written, submitted about a year ago. And, um, and the studies that are described in the article um, are ones that I'm familiar with, but they kind of broke it. What I like about it is that she broke it into four, these, these four points. So I'll ju- just share with you a bit on that. So the first is um, that silence relieves stress and tension. Sounds pretty intuitive, but of course there has to be some studies to support that. So we know that in modern life we are constantly bombarded with sounds and stimulation. And research on noise pollution, just constant sounds all around. And we live in an environment where we can have some moments of, of quiet and silence, which is not available to people who live in very, very busy cities. But noise pollution has been shown to have negative consequences on overall health, including high blood pressure and a higher incidence of heart attacks. And we know that loud noise um, triggers the amygdala, which is the part of the brain that relates to salience and noticing disturbing, disturbing things. And the amygdala is activated as well as an activation in the stress hormone cortisol. So just being around noise does that. With, even if you're not aware of it, it's happening. And we also um, know that too much noise does cause stress and tension, but also that silence has an opposite effect. And that there was a study that compared, a little laboratory experiment that compared two minutes of silence with two minutes of relaxing music. And silence actually had more beneficial effects than the relaxing music um, on uh, blood pressure and also um, brain functioning. So, so first point. Second point is that silence replenishes our mental resources. So sensory input, all kinds of sensory input, whether it be what you're looking and hearing and over overstimulation always we are we are overstimulated pretty much in every direction every angle pretty much all the time throughout the day so the the ceaseless attentional demands of our modern life put a significant burden on the brain and particularly the prefrontal cortex and that's the part of our brain that's associated with executive function and executive function is the high 
level thinking, our ability to uh, make decisions, wise decisions, and to problem solve, and to prioritize, that's impacted when we have too much going on in our heads. So as a result, our attentional um, resources become drained. And then those, when our attentional resources are depleted, what happens? We become distracted and drained. And when we're drained, we, have struggle. we struggle to focus. We can't come up with good solutions. And we are, our creativity is shot. So there's a theory that, that's called the attention restoration theory. And to me, it speaks to the benefits of meditation and also just walking in nature alone. And it's essentially that if we can give ourselves the time and space to just restore the brain, to empty it, we will actually you know, feel a lot better and function a lot better. And so just for you to consider your own practice, whatever contemplative practice it may be, how do you feel in the beginning? How do you feel afterwards? Do you notice that there is a quality of restoration and your attention is better as a result of taking the time? And I'll, from my own personal experience, we, in my office, we have a contemplative space and we um, meditate in, in the office every day for 15 minutes, 2.30. And I'll tell you, um, on many days, including today, I'll be completely honest with you, where I have back-to-back-to-back-to-back meetings, and when I'm not in meetings, I'm on email or on the phone. Um, basically there's this sense that, you know, my head's just swirling around, right? And there's just this, this busyness and this, the thoughts that are, that are um, going and going and going. And through 15 minutes, I can just really settle. And by the end of that period of time, I notice that I can think more clearly and I'm ready to go back and to start my, start my day. That's just my own my own personal observation. The third point is that silence um, gives us the ability to tap into what's called the default mode network in our brain. So what's a default mode network? Well, the default mode network is what our brain does when it's not on a task. So when we're doing something, when we're really concentrating on doing something, which is active or could be even a task could be noticing that you're focusing on your breathing, okay? That is an attentional practice. When our minds are not involved in an attentional practice and we're daydreaming, our brains are actually in what's called the default mode activity, default mode um, network. And you know, it's actually good for us. So don't beat yourself up anymore when you, your mind is wandering, when you don't want it to be wandering. But it's actually a good thing. We need, we definitely, our brains need time to just be, to just be open to whatever 
and to let ourselves daydream and um, let our minds wander. And the reason why is that when we do that, it, is, it allows us, the default network allows us to make meaning of our experiences. It helps us to empathize with others. It helps, it really allows for creativity and imagination to happen. I think that, you know, a lot of times when we're sleeping, the default mode network is actually activated. And so when you, you know, some of our greatest ideas, I don't know about you, but some of my greatest ideas actually happen in the middle of the night. You're like, whoa, where'd that, where'd that come from? And, and, and it's that sense of creativity that comes alive. And that is only possible, only possible when we don't have, um, when we don't have the stimulation and we can give, our, give ourselves quiet to really give space and allow this, this mind wandering and daydreaming. And then the fourth, the fourth point is that getting quiet can regenerate our brain cells. And, we, and there's science, and quite a bit of science, that has shown that silence regenerates the brain, the gray matter in the brain. And there's one simple study um, that was cited um, that was with mice. And it compared three types, three, three different conditions. One condition was ambient noise, like the noise of the fan. The other is white noise, which you're familiar with. Is, you know, it's very, very subtle background um, noise that you're not even aware that it's there, but it's, but it's there. And then the third condition was silence. And what they found, the researchers were really surprised, but they found that of the three conditions, one that fared the best and had the most interesting and promising results was the group that was in silence. And basically found that the hippocampal area of the brain, and that's the area that's associated with memory, was much better and stronger than the other two conditions. And that surprised them because the silent, condition, the silent group in this experiment was actually the con- control condition. They weren't expecting to see any results from that group. So, you know, in addition to these four points, I have a couple that I, I want to add. Um, so we know this, that in the times of quiet, when we don't have the external distractions, those are the times that we are more fully able to connect with our authentic selves. And we need to give ourselves that time and space to really tune into who we are. What makes our hearts sing? Tune into what's going on in your body. So you can make, you know, maybe wise healthcare decisions. Tune into what's going on in your heart. Maybe make wise relationship decisions. But quiet time to listen to the subtle cues in our bodies, our heads, and our hearts provides opportunities for self-care and, and wise action. And this quiet time is also a time of just letting be, of not trying so hard 
just surrendering to the fullness and the wholeness of who you are. Not trying to be something else. Someone else. And these quiet times when we're alone allow us to be more awake to the worlds around us so we can more fully connect with others. We can more fully connect with what's just what's happening, whether we like it or not. We can more fully show up in the ways that we need to in the world. So that brings me to the second nectar, which is connection. And so we know that it is, in fact, in our DNA to be, we're, to be connected to other beings. And it's also um, in our DNA that we all need to be seen, we all need to be heard. We all do. And when we don't, that's where there's a brokenness. We can't, we don't feel whole unless we, we can really experience that. So to consider, you know, what is the benefit or what are the benefits of a genuine smile? A genuine connection. People you don't even know. Just, you know, walking down on the downtown mall, looking at somebody and making a connection. Walking across the UVA campus. Well, we know, and this is actually supported by research, that those kinds of simple connections of a genuine smile um, allow us to experience positive emotions in ourselves. We actually feel better by doing that. And then the other person who's the recipient of the smile, they feel better. Then we're going to go on and have interactions with others and then we can, if we feel better, they feel better, then communication is improved. And then the other area which research is supporting is that through this kind of connection, we actually, our health is improved and others' health is improved as, as well. And when we're quiet and fully present with one another, perhaps with somebody who might be in a situation of great suffering, great internal angst, Without saying anything, we can simply bear witness and connect, hold the other suffering, and maybe even sit with a sense of shared suffering because we all experience loss, fears, we're getting older, we get sick, we all have worries. So that you know makes me think about you know Mary Oliver's words, and um, these are some I'm sure you're familiar. Many of you are familiar with. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal 
of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. That's all done in quiet, and it's all done through sense of presence and connection. So a um, colleague, friend and colleague of mine, um, Barbara Fredrickson, she's a social psychologist at the University of North Carolina, and she's done great work um, on the area of positive psychology. She's developed this theory called the Broaden and Build Theory of Positive Emotions. And essentially it goes like this, where basically if we can cultivate positive emotions such as love and gratitude, we will then feel better. And when we feel better, our cognitive space, and this has been proven through studies, we actually can see more. We're not living in such a um, uh, con- contracted world, but we actually, our worlds begin to get a little bit more spacious. And then we actually notice more positive things that are, in, that are happening right before our eyes that we might not have noticed. Maybe, you know, it could be the smile of another person or the birds in the trees, little baby birds, or whatever it may be. There are lots and lots of opportunities to wake up and see things that will then make us feel better. If we feel better, then we'll be kinder to others, and then we'll, we'll feel better in doing that, they'll feel better, and then it begins to grow, and it's called the broaden and build theory of positive emotions. And one thing that Barbara has um, talked about that I love, it has great resonance for me, is this idea of micro-moments of love. Micro-moments of love. And she asserts that micro-moments of love nourish us and help us to be better versions of ourselves. And that means wiser, healthier, stronger, more compassionate versions of ourselves. And if we step back and we look closely, we can indeed see these micro-moments of love. That love isn't just this one thing, but there are many, many subtle qualities that make it up. So these micro-moments of emotionally connecting and being in tune with another and sharing mutual care and concern. And what I like to think about is that each of us sprinkle micro-moments of love throughout our day. So it's not like this very conscious one moment I'm going to be loving. But no, there's a real gentleness of just sprinkling our day with these micro-moments of of love. Um, Sort of like a sprinkle here and a sprinkle there. Much like the intermittent, you know, gentle rain showers that are necessary for our gardens to flourish. So... um, I'll end now um, 
with a poem and to me it speaks to both to the, the whole theme of this talk which is nourishing nectar's quiet and connection The Peace of Wild Things by Wendell Berry When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be. I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Thank you. <laughs>